Welcome to Travel Bistro. I'm Pam Barker. If you are a lover of travel or not, you can still listen in because like today where I will begin this podcast by talking about a book that does relate to travel. Um, it's a, it's uh it's an interesting thing because even if you don't want to travel, you don't want to go to this place, it's still quirky and funny. Uh, or maybe it's just my sense of humor. You know, the book, the Velveteen Rabbit, there are books, there are movies, there are real life things that constrict your throat that will make tears spring to your eyes because it's so touching and heartbreaking a little bit. Well, the Velveteen Rabbit will always do that to me, the book, The Velveteen Rabbit, because it's about love and and heartbreak. And even though it has a, a, a happy ending, it's still a little bit melancholy, the way that book ends. So I love the book, The Velveteen Rabbit, but the story touches me. Every single time I think about how that story plays out with the little boy. And if you don't know the book, I know you do if you're listening to this, but I'm sure you do. But if you don't read it, because no matter your age, it's a wonderful book. I think it's wonderful. It's about love and it's about things that did hurt you a little bit in life. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful little book, but the reason I bring it up is because I want to talk about about rabbits. I had a rabbit. I had a rabbit when I was a kid. It was a gift to me from my beloved aunt and uncle, who they were my second parents, really. It was a white rabbit, pet rabbit. Um, it had pink eyes, and I named it Pinky, and I loved it, and I fed it. Did I take care of it properly? I was so young. I, I, I was in school. I was in elementary school. Uh, I don't know. And then one day I came home from school and Pinky was gone. And um, it was always a bit fuzzy what exactly happened to Pinky. But let me just tell you, I will never, I will never eat rabbit. <laughs> it's, it's when you go to France, lots of people eat rabbit in this country as well. Uh yeah, I'll never eat rabbit because every time I see that on any menu anywhere I am, I think about Pinky. But this, this, uh, the reason I bring this up is because people that collect things, that gift each other things that are special to them, you don't have to understand it. It's not for you to understand it necessarily. It's just what people do. They exchange little little gifts that mean something to them. Well, this particular couple in California uh, had a habit of exchanging little little bunny rabbit things, little bunnies, rabbits, ceramic rabbits, all different kinds of rabbits. And I'll tell you, in the 90s, there was a big thing uh, uh, with these bunnies that were considered Americana they had these long floppy ears that came down and they were really meant to decorate. They weren't for children to play with. They were they were expensive at the time and they were dressed in a million different ways. And if you had antiques and I did at that time, my house, huge house full of them, you could you could use them in a really sweet way in uh, not in your living room, you wouldn't do that, but like in a bedroom. And 
you can still get those. I checked. You can still get them. They're vintage uh, now, and but they are available uh, on like eBay and and Etsy and so forth. But anyway, back to this couple. Um, they began opening their museum in their home, the Bunny Museum. This is a real thing, uh, and you may know about it. I did not. But this in 1998, they started the Bunny Museum in their home uh, in Altadena, California. And now they have grown and moved out of their out of their home. Uh, because, and now it is uh, like a 35,000 rabbit-related <laughs> item in a building 7,000 square feet. And in this museum in California, you can see everything rabbit related and uh one of the reasons i wanted to talk about the bunny museum was because i wanted to talk about more obscure places you could possibly visit or learn about and this bunny museum is certainly one of them and it's on the other side of the country because throughout the country in every state i suppose there are quirky little museums like this. Uh, we certainly have seen them in our travels in across this, this vast country and almost I've been to almost every state in the United States. I only have two <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me that I haven't been to only two. But in this Bunny Museum it's uh, it's interesting because you can, uh, they have cookie jars that are rabbits. Uh, this one I don't like very much. They have freeze-dried rabbits. They they actually have the world, the Guinness world record for having the most bunny items in the world. Yeah. And they have a, they have a cute slogan, the hoppiest place in the world. It houses three live rabbits. But one thing I really did not like, back to that, they're freeze-dried, freeze-dried rabbits. Uh, but I learned some new terms in doing research on the Bunny Museum. And and these terms uh, are interesting, and, and they're not what you think. They weren't what I thought they would be. One is a rabbit, and it's R-A-B-B. E.T. Plane, P-L-A-N-E. Now I know what a planer is. Uh, of course I do. Um, it's something you use on wood. And But I didn't know what this was, R-A-B-B-E-T plane. It's a plane that you make notches or grooves in uh, in wood. It, it, grooves, it grooves a piece of wood out. Nor did I know what a dewlap was was. You think I would? <laughs> I never heard of it. It's a it's a uh, a part of a female rabbit that I, I don't know about the males because what I really was reading about was the female rabbit and it's a, a little kind of a pouch, a little fatty thing that grows uh in their in their, kind of under their jaw. And this is when the the uh, the female rabbit is ready to you know, date, and 
had no idea. I had no idea what a what a dewlap was, but I do now. Uh, I think going to these kind of of quirky little places, even though it may seem like, oh, why would you want to do that? It can surprise you in the end. Uh, we were in the Caymans one time, and one of the things, there was a, a tour we were going to go on, and it was going to be really great and really fun, but one piece of the tour was a quick stop at a turtle farm. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. Well, I did it, and I had the most fun at that turtle farm. It's not like little bitty turtles in a fish tank that you're going to hold. There is like, you know, turtles that you're, you're getting to sort of... Uh, see how they're being cared for it, it was it ended up being wonderful so don't dismiss anything like you know the bunny museum uh the the los angeles times well-respected newspaper in 2018 wrote about the bunny museum if this gives it any more <laughs> more any more credibility here it said the rabbit array may seem to tilt a kitsch but the vast stockpile harbors insight and imparts imparts a quirky sort of gravitas. So, Bunny Museum. Now let's 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 uh let's come on back to Florida. Let's come all the way across because another it's not really necessarily obscure, but it's certainly not an easy national park to get to. Now, there are actual states in the country that have no national parks. They have none. And I, I, I think that's interesting. Alabama, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, and Idaho. They have no national parks in those states. Uh, you would think at least Georgia and Idaho would because there's a, there's a lot of history there. Uh, they actually have a list of the worst national parks. I'm not going to talk about that because that's a negative and I'm not into negativity. But there are national parks that are hard to see. They're hard to get to. They're hard to find. Uh, the places for those, Alaska, California, and Florida. Also Nevada, weirdly. Uh in Nevada, it's Great Basin National Park. Never been there. Now, uh, Gary, my my partner in everything I do, and I have been to many, many national parks uh, throughout, not just on in the continental U.S., but in other places as well, and they do exist. Uh, but uh, we've never been to Great Basin, but, but the one I want to talk about made the list of one of the, the 13. There are 13 that are really hard to see, hard to get to. And the one that I want to talk about in Florida is Dry Tortugas National Park. And it looks absolutely fantastic. Never been there, even though I have been to the Florida Keys many times. Tortugas National Park is about 70 miles from Key West. And if you've ever been to Key West, it's kind of one of those things of why would you want to leave and go 70 miles <laughs> away? Because it's fun. It's very, very fun uh, to be in Key West. 
But if you do, and I would like to go to this national park, uh, you can only get there. It's a what it is. It's a, a group of seven islands comprising this national park, um, making up Tortugas National Park. But the only way you can get there, it's not easy. You can go by a ferry. There's actually, uh, you can take a ferry ride. It's called Yankee Freedom. And you you go over to the, to the park that way. Or by a seaplane. That's what I'd like to do. Or you can do your own personal uh, boat, I suppose. You can actually camp there. You can... Um, you can hang out on the beach. You can you can hike. There's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, what they don't want you to bring to this national park, you don't want to bring your pets or firearms or anything flammable uh, or drones, by the way. No drones. No drones allowed. But the, the fun thing about it, um, when it comes to water, and we live by water, from the very beginning for me, I, I'm about, if I can see, like in a, a pool, a legit pool. Okay, I know what's in there. I'm, these days, I'm still skittish, even about, about pools. But if I can't see, it, it, bottom line, the ocean, any kind of body of water is for sea life, not me. Here's what I like to do. I like to get comfy with a big hat, some sunglasses, some great champagne, or any non-alcoholic beverage you want to have. It doesn't matter. Lots of nice sunscreen. I have a UV up to 50 uh, suit. My swimsuit has long sleeves. The only, it's a full body thing, like a like a scuba dive suit, except it's colorful and, and has patterns to it. The only thing I have to use sunblock on, legs, hands, neck, my face, that's already done every morning. That's a given for me every day. I want to I wanna leave the, the, the ocean to the sea life. However, um, on this, these, this group of islands, there's a lot of stuff you can do. You can, if you do want to get into the water, there's a lot of stuff for you to do, including shipwrecks. And because of that, they are very uh, protective of of this national park. Uh, FDR, by the way, is the one in 1935, 1935, uh, designated this as a national park. Uh, it got a little bump, a little upgrade in 1983 to protect it, to protect it from people doing damage to, for example, the shipwrecks, and they don't want people messing around with them. There's a there's a fort there that was used. It's Fort Jefferson. It, it says it's the only fort that's complete masonry, completely, and it was used as a prison. And uh, the Civil War, and it has a lighthouse that's been there since the 1800s, and I think they've updated it, but even the update, I think, was in the 1800s, uh, but uh, the the fort is really fun, according to what I've read, to explore. Uh, the, the, the whole thing is rich in history, so if you want to go against the crowds, uh, uh, against the 
they're really known places of, you just don't hear very many people going to this particular national park. It's all about arches in Bryce Canyon and the Grand Canyon and all the canyons. And that's great. Zion National Park, oh, they're wonderful. They're beautiful. Love them. But just for something different, way down, way down uh, in this in this part of the world of Florida, give it a whirl. If you are if you are a traveler, and if you're not, look it up and read about it because it's very very interesting. The history of Fort Jefferson, the entire history of the shipwrecks. So that's the beautiful thing about the internet. There are a lot of negatives about the internet, but the beautiful thing is you don't ever have to leave your chair. You just call up a bunch of YouTube videos or stories of all sorts, and there you are. You're there. And anymore, things are getting even more interactive, and that will just grow and grow and grow. So it'll be to the point where we won't have to leave home. We'll just do everything virtual reality, and I think that'll be a terrible, terrible thing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. I hope that you will visit my other podcasts. Gigi and the 561, these podcasts rest on over 20 platforms. NorthPalmBeachLife.com. Lots of stories there, by the way. YouTube channel, NorthPalmBeachLife.com. You can see a lot of stuff we do there. Don't forget my books. On Amazon, I have four books and a children's book. And these podcasts can be found all the time on very obscure platforms. If you go to our homepage, GG and the 561, look over to the side. It has a list of all the platforms, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, and many, many others. And if you like the more obscure platforms, they're there too. Gary, my partner, my producer, puts everything out there, makes everything happen, writes for NorthPalmBeachLife.com. It's an easy search. Go to the search box, put in a topic, something could come up that you're interested in. All of these podcast interviews with some really interesting people are also resting there and on all of these platforms. Um, He also writes for Splash Magazine Worldwide and All Things Cruise. So thank you so much for participating in what we do. It's great to have you here at Travel Bistro. Happy trails.